everyone. This week's episode of Everything Under the Sun is supported by Toucan Box. They're brilliant boxes full of fun you can get in the post each month. Inside each toucan box, there are two crafts with all the bits you need to make them. They're perfect for a rainy lockdown afternoon. We have a code for Everything Under the Sun listeners if you'd like to try one out. Just go to their website, toucanbox.com, see what crafts you fancy making and order one. They'll pop through your letterbox in a couple of days. Just use the code SUN for 50% off. That's S-U-N for everything under the sun. My son and I had a toucan box dropped through our letterbox the other week and inside was a dream capture which we made for his room and a little greenhouse so we now have herbs growing in our kitchen. The brilliant thing about toucan boxes are you don't need to go shopping or prepare as everything you need is there inside the box ready to go. So lots of fun when you've had enough of homeschooling. They've won lots of awards including the Made for Mum award so do yourself a lockdown favour and try one out using the code SUN that's S-U-N SUN for a half price toucan box treat. Their website again is toucanbox.com. Try one out, you won't regret it. to the seventh episode of the second series of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Just in case anyone is new to the show, my name is Molly. I'm the original elf on a TV show called QI, which your parents might watch, and I wrote questions for the show for 12 years. For all the years, a very clever man called Stephen Fry was the host. Then I had two children of my own and wanted to make something interesting for them. One day, a little girl called B asked me a question, which was, can blue whales talk to killer whales? And I thought, what a brilliant question, and I decided to find out the answer. That question and answer became the first question on everything under the sun. So if you go to wherever you get your podcasts and scroll back to episode one, you can find out for yourself all about whale and dolphin languages. However, today we're talking about something very different. It's not about things that live in the sea, but instead something we all live in and use. Houses and motorways. And we have a special guest named Charlie Luxton, who is an architect, which is someone who works out the best way to make beautiful buildings. He specialises in environmentally friendly ones that are kind to our planet. Our first question isn't about our homes, though. It's about an animal home. It's about the places spiders call home. Do you know what a spider's house is called? That's right. It's a web. Our question about spider webs comes from Gil. Over to Gil. I'm Gil and I'm six and I like plums and I, my question is why don't spiders get stuck in their own webs? Thanks Gil for your excellent question about spiders webs. If you touch a spider's web you'll feel it's all sticky. You've probably seen a web with leaves or maybe even a little insect stuck in it. That's why spiders spin webs to catch food. Things fly into the web, get stuck can't get out and then the spider has his supper waiting for him. But how do spiders make sure they don't get stuck in their own web? Well, 
Spiders don't really touch their webs much. The only part of them that touches the sticky threads, even as they're spinning them, are little hairs on the tips of their legs and their claws, which grip the web so they don't fall off. But only a teeny bit of them touch the sticky threads, so they can't get stuck. Unlike a fly which splats into a web with all its body and gets trapped. Or like us, if we touch a web with our finger, a lot of us will touch it, and so it sticks to us. A lot of the web touches the fly, so it gets stuck. Spiders make sure they're always nice and clean and wash off bits of web silk and anything that might get stuck in their webs. Also, interestingly, not all of a web is sticky. Spiders make different threads. They make non-sticky silk for the scaffolding part of the web and sticky silk for the spiral in the middle where they catch other creatures like flies. So the areas where a spider might stop for a rest for a little while aren't sticky. How clever is that? It's also possible that the hair on spiders' legs has something on it that stops the sticky bit of a web getting stuck. Quite what that is, we have yet to find out. I hope that answers your question, Gil. I think spiders are incredibly clever for building webs that are sticky and can catch their food, but don't make them get stuck. Our next question is about the things that we live in, called houses, and the things they're often made from, which are bricks. Over to Reuben. Hi, I'm Reuben, I'm six years old, and I love playing football and science. And my question is, where do bricks that build houses come from? Thanks, Reuben, for your excellent question about bricks. To answer it for you, I have Charlie Luxton, who is an architect and TV presenter, who comes up with ideas of how to build beautiful homes that are kind to the earth. He knows all about bricks, so I thought he'd be the perfect person to answer your question, Reuben. Over to Charlie. Hello, Reuben. It's Charlie Luxton here, and I'm here to answer your question. Where do the bricks that build houses come from? And it's a fantastic question. Now, the first evidence of bricks that we can find anywhere on Earth is about 9,000 years ago in southern Turkey. And to begin with, there were lumps of mud formed into a kind of shape and then dried in the sun and then stacked up to make houses. Now, around five and a half thousand years ago, we started putting bricks into kilns, so baking them really high temperatures to make the hard-wearing, modern idea of a brick that we have today, you know, that kind of baked red thing that we see houses made of. Now, that technology was introduced throughout Europe and brought to Britain by the Romans about 2,000 years ago. And they used to make bricks and they really pioneered that technique. But what's amazing is after the Romans left Britain in about 350 AD, so about 1700 years ago, we forgot how to make bricks. For 700 years, no one knew how to make bricks. And then in about 1000, 1100 AD, bricks started making their way back into Britain again. And that's pretty much how we learned to make them today. So what you do is you dig up a suitable clay, form it into a nice brick shape, and then you put it in a kiln and you bake it at a very high temperature, over a thousand degrees. And that makes what we think of as a brick today. One of my favorite facts about bricks is you can even build skyscrapers out of bricks, not just houses. 
Empire State Building in New York took about 10 and a half million bricks to build. Ruben, I hope that answers your question and I love bricks too. Thanks. Thanks so much, Charlie, for your great answer. Isn't that amazing that we forgot how to build bricks in Britain for 700 years? In that time, we used wood and mud. I'm very glad we've worked out how to use bricks again. Did you know that until 1885, bricks were made by hand? But then machines that can make them were invented. So suddenly thousands and thousands of bricks could be made in one day and lots more houses could be built. In Victorian London, red brick was really popular as it stood out in the smog. I hope that answers your question, Reuben, and thanks for sending it in. Our third question is about something else that humans build. It's about motorways, which we build to drive our cars on and get quickly across the country. The question comes from Orla. Over to Orla. Hello, Molly. My name is Orla and, and I'm five years old and, and I like cartwheeling with my brother. And this is my question. How long does it take to build a motorway? Thanks, Orla, for your great question. Well, it depends on the size of the motorway, but it always takes years and years to build a motorway. First up, motorways need a plan and a map, and then all the people's homes and the countryside that is already there have to be sorted out now that a motorway is going to plough through their garden or home, and miles of land with all kinds of wildlife living on it is likely to be destroyed. Sometimes houses are knocked down, but more often they find themselves with a motorway being built at the edge of their garden, which is really sad for the people that it happens to. Oh no! So they have to be given money or helped out, and all of these things have to be sorted out along where the motorway is going to go. Then, once the plans are made and agreed, there are lots and lots of jobs to do. Digging earth, draining the water out of the earth, moving other roads and tracks that are already there, building bridges and more. Then the motorway can be put down. It takes years of work and millions or billions of pounds so motorists can drive by in a flash at 70 miles per hour. Of course, more roads means more traffic, which means more pollution and more global warming. Here in England, there is a famous motorway called the M25, which goes all the way around London and has lots of other motorways going off it that go to different parts of the UK. It took 11 years to build and cost £1 billion and used more than 2 million tonnes of concrete. When it opened in 1986, it was the biggest ring road in Europe at 188 kilometres long. Did you know the first motorway in the world was built in Italy? It opened on the 21st of September 1924. It was called the Autostrada dei Laghi or Motorway of the Lakes and it linked the capital city Milan to Varese which is where there's beautiful lakes and then it was extended to Lake Como near the Swiss border so that people could get easily from the city to the beautiful lakes in record time. The longest motorway in the world is the Pan American Highway, which was 30,000 kilometers long. If you drive the whole thing, you'll cross through 16 countries. You'll start in Alaska and end in South America and go through the United States, Mexico, Canada, Costa Rica and Peru, amongst many other countries. But you can't drive it all in one go. There's a rainforest break for about 106 kilometers in the border between Panama and Northwest Colombia called the Darien Gap. You'll need an all-terrain jeep to get through this tricky bit or 
is much easier to go by sea. I hope that answers your question, Orla, and thanks for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to Charlie Luxton for talking to us about bricks and where they come from. And a big thank you to Orla, Ruben and Gil for this week's questions. A big thank you to Ash Gardner at House of Strange for the theme song and audio networks for all the lovely incidental music we use this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. Maybe you'll find something to build at home or in your garden. Or maybe you'll spot a spider in his web. Now you know why he isn't getting stuck in it himself. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, all you have to do is ask an adult to record you asking it. Ask them to use the smartphone, open the voice recording app and record you asking your question. Just say your name, your age, a bit about yourself and ask me your question and send it in to molly at everythingunderthesun.co.uk so I can hear it and hopefully answer it as soon as I can. If you like the show, please do rate it and leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast as apparently this really helps other people to find it. You can also screenshot the podcast right now and get your parents to share it on social media so others can find it. We're at Everything Under The Sun pod on Instagram and at Everything UTS on Twitter. Wishing you all a lovely, lovely week. Thank you for listening and goodbye. (laughs) 